0: And welcome to the Castle Comics Dungeons & Dragons podcast. If you're looking for any Dungeons & Dragons miniatures, source books, or uh, adventure books, you can either buy them at Castle Comics in Cumberland Old Town Centre or at castlecomics.co.uk. Castlecomicsuk.co.uk.
1: Apologies, Castle Comics. <laughs> Castlecomicsuk.co.uk. Uh, that's, that's the other company. Don't talk no, about no. them. No, we don't talk about them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we're going to be talking about Dungeons & Dragons tonight. We've got uh, myself, Handsome. Formerly handsome, so, now funny Alex you know, like, uh, uh, hosting. Uh, we've got yourself, Greg. Yes. Proprietor of proprietor, Castle.
1: Greg, the proprietor
0: of Castle Comics UK. What, what would I be in D and D? Shopkeep. <laughs> yeah, Shop- I the Shop- yeah. shopkeep,
1: shopkeep. Yeah, I'm yeah, the <laughs> <yeah, probably laughs> shopkeep. Uh, okay.
0: Um, we're here. We've also got Connor. Connor, if you'd like to introduce yourself.
2: Hello, I'm Connor. I'm wearing a pink jumper with a what oh, I've forgotten what Simpson it is now? Lisa Simpson. <laughs> Lisa Simpson.
0: There we go. Good that, start. <laughs> that, that'll come off in an audio podcast. <laughs> uh, how long have you been playing D&D for? Oh, um, six months. Six months. So still feeling still feeling yeah. new. Yeah, it's fair enough. Uh, and we've also got Ross with us. Ross, would you like to introduce yourself. Hi, uh, I'm Ross. I'm not handsome, Ross. This is a different Ross. <laughs> uh, I
3: just caught I just caught the last podcast yeah. like as yeah. I was there, uh, I getting ready.
1: Yeah,
2: handsome though. Ah, thank you.
1: You know, I I shave for (laughs) this. Bit of beard upkeep. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) So we've got beard oil Ross. Neatly
1: neatly, neatly trimmed Ross.
0: (laughs) Neatly trimmed Ross. I'll I'll take that. (laughs) Uh, So I think we'll start on the first question, uh, which is, I think will be good for kind of people who are new to this hobby, who maybe have wanted to try it and don't fully understand what it was. So if you were to explain D&D to someone who had no background knowledge to rely on say your granny or something like that right how would you describe D to them so if we if we role play it ross what's up with this dwarves and dungeons that you play actually Grant, it's dungeons and dragons uh how dare you
3: it's very different <laughs> that, uh, that sounds satanic
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well
3: funny you mentioned that <laughs> uh, no i actually when i read this question um and when you brought it up I actually had the very unique experiences. I had to explain this to my gran about a week ago. <laughs> Perfect then. Yeah. Um, so, my gran is a big lover of Game of Thrones. Um, Who isn't, you know? Well, Anymore. no, 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 no. <laughs> Every, Everyone was at one point, um, but she still loves it. And she was asking. I was telling my brothers about Dungeons and Dragons, and she overheard and she asked what it was about. And I said, well, it's essentially it's like Game of Thrones. If you were the story writers and you were coming up with the story as it unfolded, so like if there was an instance, say, like that you're, seems you're... To be
1: pretty much how they did the last season, though, yeah, you? know. <laughs> just very much improv comedy. <laughs> that's, that's, what ha- <laughs> that's,
0: that's all that happened. Uh, Aria rolled a nat 20 on
2: acrobatics, <laughs> sneak attack, in 10 <laughs> Rogue. um,
3: but yes, I was like, it was if. Jon Snow when he went up to the wall he actually decided that this life isn't for me and instead went back to winterfell opened up a tavern and just <laughs> played about with his mates um, it's kind of it's like an improv comedy almost where you're just sort of making things up as you go along but you're also telling like a story with your friends and yeah it's sort of like acting sort of not yeah um but yeah, she kind of under she kind of understood by the end of it. I don't think she fully grasped it, but you know, she she, she was interested enough. She thought it sounded interesting. She's not a fourth
1: level paladin yet, though. No, 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 no. I think um, she was distracted by Jon Snow. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, men- I mentioned
3: Jon Snow, and she just kind of like went off somewhere else in her mind. First um, <laughs> mistake. Exactly, but yeah, she kind of she kind of got it, like what it was about, at least.
0: So, so Connor, let's imagine the situation for yourself. Your grannies came up to you. Uh, Connor, I heard you're hanging out with your friends on Saturdays and not drinking. Can you please explain that one to me and what you're doing?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be suspicious. Um, <laughs> no, so, yeah, I mean, I have the opposite, where my granddad's a very big um, Lord of the Rings fan. So I've got a little bit easier to explain some of the races, probably, <laughs> than Game of Thrones. But I'll probably just explain it like, she likes to watch any sort of true crime documentary or any sort of crime programme ever. So like, imagine that you got to make that choice. So see that dumb girl that went up the attic that really shouldn't have went up the attic? Right. You can either be that dumb girl or you can walk out the door. <laughs> that depends on how your character is. <laughs>
0: That's fair. Uh, the way I would describe it, I found this analogy online, I still think it's kind of perfect. It's, um, it's cops and robbers with rules. <laughs> uh, so, you know, when, when you were kids and you'd have wee guys playing cops and robbers, and be like, "Bang, bang, I've shot!" and you would be like, "No, actually, I've got body armour on." And he'd be like, "No, actually, that's illegal in this country." No, I, <laughs> no, actually, I hid behind a rock. You know, and that's what Dungeons and Dragons is, except it's defined by a strict uh-huh. book of rules. You know, and random dice rules <laughs> and random dice rolls. Yeah. But that's it's it's cops and robbers. If someone goes, "Bang, bang, I shoot you," and I go, "Okay, roll a d20 to find out if you actually hit them." Kind of thing. It's at it its heart, the actual description of it is a tabletop role playing game, uh, where uh, there's two roles in the game. There's players, people who play characters in the story, and the DM, dungeon master or games master, uh, who is kind of plays the role of the setting in the in the world. The person who describes everything that's happening, plays all the other characters that aren't played by the players at the table, and kind of drives the story forward. Um, So we've all been quite invested in D&D for a little while. I've been playing it for about two years. Um, Originally started playing it at the shop, I now play it online with you two here and a couple of others. And online with another group. Uh, I'd be interested to know uh, what got you started playing D&D and what's kept you playing. We'll We'll start with Connor this time.
2: I mean, it was you that got me started playing D&D. <laughs> That's true. your fault. <laughs> <It's, laughs> yeah, sat next to each other and worked for however many months going on about the campaign. You're now, I'm now currently playing, funnily yep. enough, uh, when you were first making it, and the idea just really appealed to me. I used to do drama before that, and it's pretty much a drama student's dream. Yeah, You, know, you, don't, have, you don't have a script, but you can still make a character. You just
0: get to turn up and pretend to be someone else. Yeah. And there's no kind of wrong way to do it either.
2: Like you well, can- I mean, your party will tell you that you've done something wrong yeah. the second that you stabbed someone in the street, apparently. But
3: <laughs> Yeah, that was like, what, your first session, second session? Session three. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we were walking through the streets so and we were getting followed by this guy. Rather than turn around and be like, hey, why are you following us? Connor just turned around and goes like, "Yeah, I'm going to stab him to death," <laughs> and we're like, "Oh, okay." Leave no um, man behind. Yeah, no, leave and no evidence. evidence. <laughs> and now he's a wanted criminal in that town, um, and we had to pay reparations to his family.
0: <laughs> Ruined the whole story thread for me. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's
2: one thing that you'll enjoy playing Dungeons and Dragons if you ever play it is uh, making your DM cry. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh sorry, I don't I think, think That's we- what's kept me playing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we made that clear
0: there. I'm the DM of the campaign, mm. so I'm the person kinda running it. I'm running it in a homebrew world, so a world that I've made myself as opposed to one from a book. We'll talk about that more in kind of the second half there. The adventure books and stuff like that. Um but yeah, we've been we've been playing in that world. You joined six months ago but we've been playing in that world for about a year i think it was i think it's a
3: year this month yeah so we done we we had a one year anniversary for the session zero last month so it's been about a year now Mm -hmm. uh we've played played most weeks
0: yeah Yeah, i think there's only been a handful of sessions that we've missed i think i think there's been three we've outright missed yeah um i think it's
2: on like session 39 or something like that
0: about that i think so about that um so yeah, I'll ask you as well, Ross. So what got you into D&D? What keeps you in D&D? Uh, yeah, what started it? So what got me
3: into D&D is kind of a long story. Um, I've always been a massive fan of RPGs and storytelling. Um, the first RPG game that I ever played was World of Warcraft when it came out in 2005, when I was eight. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of enjoy going into like those kind of worlds. Um when i was playing you know as people do in like rpgs a lot of people in my guild had similar interests and they t- talked about playing dnd i didn't know what it was at the time but over the years you know uh, a lot of tv shows they've done dnd episodes i kind of just got like mm-hmm. generally exposed to it over time and i learned what it was um the actual jumping off point for me um i was actually playing overwatch um and one of the voice actors for one of the heroes and um, mccree um, he's like an American cowboy character. Um, his voice actor, Matthew Mercer, actually runs a podcast, a very, very famous podcast at this point in Critical
0: Role. It's been going on for about six, seven years. It's a while. Like, so yeah. there's a, if you wanted to start it, there's a lot to catch up on.
2: I think Campaign 1 <laughs> has like 150 or 60. No, cam-
0: Campaign 1 has around hundred
3: uh, 105 episodes. Jeez. Um and Campaign 2 uh, now has about 111 episodes, I All know, because right? I watched that last night. All, <laughs> right. All of it, three to four hours
2: long per episode.
3: <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of got me into it. Um, I, I just, you know, a lot of like, connecting dots. Mm. And then I eventually came up to Castle Comics. um, with The DM who was kind of running the games at the shop, um, his name was Luke Shanks. He's actually uh, a, the brother of a very close friend of mine. So I felt kind of comfortable jumping into that game. Made up a character, uh, Bosh the Goblin Paladin. Um
0: Bosh, Bosh was a delight for the one session he yeah, was there. Absolutely fantastic <laughs> character.
3: He was a paladin trying to get revenge for his two brothers that got killed by a lich. Um, the brothers' names were Bish and Bash. So Bish, Bash, <laughs> Bosh. <Yeah. laughs> Which is fairly goblin names. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, my work schedule then changed and I couldn't attend the sessions at the shop anymore. Um Until we started a campaign um yeah i just been i've been kind of watching critical role and i was like you know what enough's enough i kind of want to play a game asked around alex said he was happy to run a game he had a world that he'd been thinking of in his head for some time um and we kind of just piecemealed people together from the shop and people that we knew would be interested in dnd um kind of a few people a few people left you know we had quite a few more people interested in the beginning but works and schedules and things like that
0: always conflict um
3: and then yeah. you got stuck with me and then we got, st- <laughs> we got stuck with
2: Connor but, but that's um,
0: that's been a that's been the solid party for a little while now yeah it's been it's been
3: pretty solid um i think what kind of keeps me playing is just i want to see what happens next in your world like yeah. there's still so many small details that have been alluded to, to mm. for since session well, I was going to say session 1 but session 1 was a pre-written adventure but yeah. around session 10 when we got out of the the pre-written stuff There's been stuff that we have been trying to track down and trace for
1: almost nine months. Trying to trace, very topical. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yes, very topical. Um,
3: But yeah, it's just kind of, I want to see more, I want to experience more, I want to delve more into my character and see what kind of a person
0: they're going to be when everything comes to a head which it is coming to a head just now we're probably we're not far off the end of that campaign it's yeah, quite exciting
3: yeah we're just just wrapping up now um, we got left on a cliffhanger left epi- uh, last session almost said episode um, that's how much Critical Role I watch <laughs> um, and then we took a week break and it's yeah, been we've taken painful. a week break for a, for a session zero of the next campaign that we're going to run um, which will actually be DM'd by me but yeah it's been it's just been exciting we kind of watching and Experience experiencing what you've came up with
1: i'd like to pick up on what you were saying there ross you were saying that yeah you get into it because you were sort of like exposed to it in other media and things like that and with stranger things coming on the amount of starter kits yep. that people are buying yeah, and the absolutely. amount of folk that are now feeding into D and folk have this sort of preconception it's this whole big scary thing but once you get like the starter box and the starter book in front of you it's, it's relatively i'm easy. gonna be,
0: i'm gonna be honest with you it's the one game you can play infinitely long Aye. for almost completely free. Aye. Like, if you wanted to start playing D&D, there are beginner rules on the Dungeons & Dragons uh, website that you can print off for free. Uh, there's character sheets you can print off for free. If yeah. you've got paper, pencil, the only thing you might have to go out and buy is a set of dice, because it uses different dice to what you get in Monopoly or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, You could play indefinitely with just those rules. Yeah. Um, I
2: mean, just picking up on that as well, you're saying it's Easy enough once you get into it. Like, I've got my little brother who's 13, 14 with his friends that are now, uh-huh. they've picked up a starter kit. Yeah, they're not polished up on some of the more technical rules, but they have fun playing that it. That's the thing. they the general gist And, yeah, do you know what? It's it's about how serious your group of people wants to take the rules that are written in the book as well.
0: Yeah, that's the, that's the important part of D&D. It's, the game is whatever the group makes it. Um, so you can have a very serious, very kind of solemn... Campaign, mm-hmm. um, investigative campaign, dealing with some dark themes. If you want to, and if your party's all right with that, or you can have this absolute jovial romp <laughs> uh, through <laughs> uh, through Ravenloft or something, yeah, uh, yeah. where you set up a nightclub uh, that that primarily serves dwarves, <laughs> right, um, <okay. laughs> and and RP how that goes
1: from day to day. Okay, okay. Um, what's, what's the dwarf nightclub called? <sighs>
0: I should have thought of that
3: for a I campaign. I, yeah. uh, Connor, what did you call the the no. dwarf uh, brothel that you guys
2: came up with in my campaign? Oh, I can't even the, remember.
1: The, the short end. Uh,
3: uh, that's it
2: considerably was, it better. Was, it was a digging digging for something joke. It was. That, that was, was even like, serious. That was just in like a
3: bit of downtime. <laughs> yeah, and then it somehow stuck, and then I had to come up with you know in this town because these guys have willed it into being uh-huh. <laughs> somewhere in there, there. There was a dwarfing brothel. DM cry yes <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so what got me into D was we mentioned before that i'm a kind of aspiring stand-up comedian um i hadn't started on that kind of journey when i started playing D, but i wanted to get back into a uh, role-playing and acting in some degree and stranger things had just came out uh, dungeon dragons kind of came r- back into the cultural kind of zeitgeist about five years ago Aye. when it had it
1: dipped after the kind of two thousands? It, it did, but then even like before all that, there was stuff like Vin Diesel was doing this thing. And there's all these sort of celebrities that are yeah, you know yeah, that were at actors. the time closet D and D players and they're all starting to come out. It's come like out. like we said before, where the majority of the, the things that we, we do in the shop now, it, it, previously it was all um subculture, now it's just culture. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Now it's it's just yeah, what folk do? There's no need to hide it now. You can fly your freak frig you want. You know. What I, mean?
0: <laughs> I know it's it's something I've noticed when I tell people I play Dungeons and Dragons. They're like, oh, "I didn't know that was real." Like, <laughs> are gorgons <and>, real? <laughs> uh, everyone just thinks it's a thing that Stranger Things made up. I think there's one in Riverdale as well, which is like goblins oh, and um,
2: griffins and gargoyles. Ah, there, uh, there oh. they go. Oh, that's me proving some colours there, isn't it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wanted to get back into that kind of role playing, um, so I came up the shop to play in that. Same campaign Ross is talking about. that Luke was running the kind of beginner campaign, um, but I was there from day one, uh, and I really enjoyed it. I was playing a half elf, uh, no sorry, halfling bard, and called Paul McHaffney. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I made very clear from day one that I was there just to be an agent of chaos uh, in that world, and just be silly and irreverent and
1: that's i mean that that's another aspect of it we'll probably get on to later but um like you were saying um you're thinking be as light or as heavy as you want it to be it's when you get folk that are playing in the same party pool in different directions if somebody's trying to play dead serious Mm -hmm. and somebody's having a laugh that's fine you can usually come to some sort of arrangement when somebody is being like just out and out disruptive and just out and out, no playing the game, it kind of ruins it for everybody. So there is a certain element, I feel, I mean, I've not played as much as you guys, but there's yeah. certainly, to me, there seems to be an element of a social contract. Like, we're all here to do this thing. Yeah, very much. Absolutely. It's, about,
0: it's about trust. A lot of that comes on the DM as well. It's on the DM to kind of set those expectations. If something starts to go awry, like if you see, as a DM, I've seen it myself, um, if you see players starting to pull, it's your job to whoop. Pull that back in before it tears, kind uh-huh. of thing. um It's on the DM to maybe say no to someone, which is quite difficult to do. You never Aye. want to say no to someone, no, but just be like, "That's not what your character would do." You need to think about what your character would do in this uh-huh. situation.
3: Yeah. As a kind of an example of that, um, I it's, it's on hold now, but I run a I run my own campaign, and Connor has taken a part of that, um and the party had kind of been it, it kind of spawned off of something that Connor had said. It came out of context. Um, well, not out of context. It was the way he said had said something. Um it sort of put like a negative light on his character and they started to make jokes about it. Right. Um and I was like, okay, it's funny for one session, you know, uh huh. It's it's just happened, let them make a couple of jokes. And then the next week when we came back, they started to make the same jokes again and I was right. like, Right, just why get this out here. As much as as much as this is for fun and we're all having a laugh, this is a character that he cares about. Let's just stop this now because Aye. it's. While well it it was funny the first mm-hmm. session because, you know, Connor, you can yeah. it, it was it was funny. Yeah, biggest Aye.
2: mistake of my life in that campaign.
3: Yeah, <laughs> he, he said something overtly sexual. Um, right. <laughs> let's just let's just put it out. He said something. It was. It didn't mean to be sexual, but it came off as a little bit sexual. Okay. So the character. So the party were making jokes about it because you know he said it. He said it in character. Uh-huh. But The second week, you know, if that had been like an on-running joke and it was constantly getting brought up and brought up again.
2: It just derailed things a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it was
3: derailing things, because there was times where Connor was having a one-on-one conversation with an NPC, uh-huh. and the other players were making jokes about it in the background mm-hmm. when their characters weren't there. So we had to be like, guys, listen, we're here for fun, you need to stop. Mm-hmm. And it, like you are saying, that is a hard thing to do. Like yeah. you, you don't want to tell your players, hey,
0: who are your friends? Yeah,
3: aye, your, your players who are friends stop having fun like it, it, it kind of is a little bit weird to be like look i know you're having fun but you need to stop like we're we've set expectations about how we're going to be playing this yeah. game if you guys are constantly interrupting to make jokes it's going to ruin other characters moments you said yeah. an
1: interesting thing there um a character that he cares about you guys yeah. obviously have played a lot you do feel attachment to these yeah. fictional yeah. character that you've, yeah.
0: you you do- because it's not it's not the same as a video game. You don't spend twenty minutes in the character creation screen and then just kind of play Looking them through hairstyles. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you spend you can spend weeks thinking about a character, even if the actual mechanics of writing it down maybe takes an hour. Uh-huh. But then you also come every week and grow with that character. Uh, so you come every week to a game, uh, <clears throat> play through combats or play through RP situations, and then your character levels up and you feel like you've gained a new skill when your character has. You feel like you've done well. You get a sense of achievement when you're character. Yeah, totally. yeah. yeah, like I was heartbroken when I had to leave that first game and leave kind of Paul McCaffney behind. <laughs> um and Kecklin. Kecklin was a non-player character uh-huh. um, that Luke played that came with us the whole way
2: and I actually felt bad when I had to stop playing that game because I was like, I'm not going to see Kecklin again. <laughs> he sits and says this, but he did kill my character in his campaign. <laughs> my first ever character. <laughs> I brought it back. <laughs> yeah, Well, I, I brought them back. It, it was back. teamwork that brought <laughs> that
0: back. But yeah, people, people, quite rightly I think, and that's like the strength of the game, get connected to characters in a way you don't in other games. We've just had the Magic podcast. Um, when you sit down to play a game of Magic, do you feel like a planeswalker? Not really. No, no you don't. When I sit down to play d I do feel like a halfling bard. Like,
2: <laughs> you look like a halfling bard. Thank you. I think as well, the thing is, with the characters, like they are a little bit of you. Like Normally when you make a character, you're making something that is a part of your personality that you're sort of building on to make a full person. So I think when you're getting to that point where you're almost dead in combat, or you're in a really difficult scenario, you're trying to think, right, how's the character going to react? But you're also thinking that is a part of me at the end yeah. of the day.
3: You're 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 incredibly worried when like yeah. when, when your hit point is hit to like ten and below, and you're like, man, one one hit more hit might put me under here. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I don't know
2: how the party's going to get out of this. You're like, it's, oh incredibly no. stressful when you're sitting there going because it it's there's a bit, point in which when like my character Avorta, died, I. Knew for like a week prior that I had messed up and that I was in a really bad situation and that there was not a lot of ways I was getting out of this.
0: And it was, it was. You can hear it in the audio because we record our sessions. I've listened to that a good few times. Uh When I rolled for the characters that were attacked, I went. Oh, he's not twenty, and I could just like hear, and I was like, I, I think Connor actually just screamed,
2: "No!" <laughs>
0: <laughs> I almost, I
2: almost had to leave the Discord so I could go cry. <laughs>
0: I was like, "Oh, sorry, that's same um, seventy-two damage before he rolls." Um,
3: yeah, I was like,
2: "That's me dead."
0: <laughs> yeah, that that session in particular,
3: like I forgot to write notes because I was so stunned because this happened at, right at the beginning of the session. So the session before we kind of left on a cliffhanger where. Connor's character, uh, Orvora, and another character of ours, um, Quarza, uh, played by uh, Sean, they had been tracking down this kind of like we didn't know at the time, but it was like sort of like a cult trying to get like religious freedom from educate like from education, try to separate religion and education. Thought okay. of that on the fly. Yeah. <laughs> and it, 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 was, it was quite interesting. Oh it was, it was good. But none of us had known where they'd went. Right. And they took off and tracked these guys by themselves
0: and then broke into their warehouse. I believe I ended the previous session with I know your player characters but I'm not going to tone these guys down just because you've made a stupid decision.
3: <laughs> That's exactly how many ended? Yeah. I feel that in my sleep. Okay, so it was
0: one round of
3: combat. So just to kind of put any context for uh, anyone who doesn't know um within one round of combat in Dungeons and Dragons that is 6 seconds. So within 6 seconds Connor's character had died. And the other, uh, the other character Quarta had been knocked unconscious and kidnapped, right. in the space of six seconds. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how badly they were they were outmatched. Yeah,
0: that's and pretty then, brutal. And then they had to play the rest of that session, knowing because they'd listened to it, they'd heard uh-huh. it over the headset, but their characters didn't know. They had to play the rest of the session just assuming they were f- kind of fine, <laughs> which was just... very heartbreaking to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was kind of interested to know kind because we brought up combat. Um, Ross and I know we have different opinions, but I'd like to know, kind of, what is your favourite part of D&D? If you were to break down one kind of subsection of D&D, what's your favourite? And we'll just get we'll just get that quickly before we go to your break, just kind of a couple um, word answer.
3: I would say it's the kind of lead up to the big moments. Like, yeah. everyone at the table can kind of tell when it's about to happen. Like, you know there's a big moment coming, and even though we're online, it is like there's electricity in there. Everyone kind of knows something's about to happen, but you don't know what. Yeah. And then when that moment comes, you're just like, right, okay, I need to take a step back here. What just happened? Um, yeah, I'd say not RP. Our well, that kind of as an RP moment, I guess. I, I'll say yeah. I'd say that's my favorite thing then. are role playing moments more than combat, but like specifically the build up to like the
0: big reveals yeah. is just it's just amazing. I agree, it's brilliant. Yourself, Connor, your favourite part of D&D, just quickly? See,
2: yeah, sort of second in that, but I'm going to say role-playing up to combat. It's the bit where you're trying to either A, avoid something, B, trying to think of a clever way out of a combat scenario, or C, realising you're dead and seeing (laughs) how you can get out of that scenario. Um, But yeah, it's that sort of point. In the words of Michael Jackson, going to be starting something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's that sort of little bit, that sort of five minutes before where everyone's sort of trying to scurry a plan together and Trying to think, right? Well, if we're going to go into combat, who's going where? What we're doing, whilst well, also so RPing. So I like that little balance there. Uh, yeah, for me,
0: slightly different to both of you. It's as as a DM, guy who runs a game, I enjoy playing characters and thinking of interesting ways to make little characters interesting. For example, a shopkeep who's just very rude, not <laughs> aggressive, but just sir, sir. If you'd like to, sir, be quiet, sir. Right. It's just the potion they, for you? Yeah, yeah, and the. and characters love it but yeah Uh. Yeah, that was just quickly our favourite parts of D&D we'll go to a break there Uh, when we come back we'll talk about some other stuff in Dungeons and Dragons Uh, hello thank you for coming back Uh, this is us at the Castle Comics Dungeons and Dragons podcast um, well, move, moving on, uh, we've all had quite an interesting experience with kind of COVID and stuff like that. I'm sure, I'm sure we've all kind of had a ah. It's been great. I, a- <laughs> as a proprietor of a physical shop, not d and D one, it must it's been hard Aye. at times. <laughs> uh, but it's changed that we've played D and D as well. So I have experience playing DMing on online and in person. Um, I know Ross has experience playing in person and DMing and playing online and Connor's got the experience of kind of DMing and playing online. Um I'd be interested to kind of talk about uh what the kind of differences between online and traditional tabletop play are and what you prefer. So for me the kind of biggest difference between tabletop and online with sites like Roll20 is as the DM the amount of effort you have to put in um, to prepare a session Uh, physically be kind of maps and stuff like that. For me that was something I was never really used to. I kind of turned up and allowed quite a lot of it to go theatre of the mind Um, What about yourself Ross?
3: Yeah I think theatre of the mind when you're playing online is almost impossible I think we can kind of all kind of agree on that like even if you've got like a small combat encounter in, in your head, and you'd like, maybe the party steamroll this in 10 seconds. It's, you kind of feel like you're forced into having a map for it, um, yeah. which can lead to just, you know, you having just like a generic map pack that you always fall back to. See, so if you're on a city street, you just pull up a generic city street. The party have fought in it, maybe like 50 times by this point, but it's a map that you can just throw tokens on, and you know the party will be able to um fight on it. On the counterpoint of that, I'd say with maps especially, it's much easier to get engrossed in the combat because you're seeing a physical location.
0: Yeah, there's a lot more high quality maps online than what I'd be able to do in person. So generally speaking, when I ran a combat in person, I would... If I did draw something, I would draw something very simple like, oh, there's a squiggly blue line, that's the river, there's a wee box there, each square's five feet, yeah, you know the rest, you're in a cave, right? Whereas online, you'll find someone who has meticulously drawn or uh, digitally painted a fantastic looking map. You'll usually find something that's pretty much exactly what you're looking for, um, where you can kind of have this um, arena. To have a combat in, or what I've started using, I call them vibe maps. Right. They're, not, they're not really; they're just they're just pictures. <laughs> and yeah. I'll I'll put the party on a picture and go. This is kind of the vibe you get from this place. Uh, like when we went to. Uh, Delheim. Delheim University, a university I had in the world. I just found this really cool photo um, that someone had drawn. of like it's kind of half Hobbit, half um Asian kind of world that looked like it was a really cool market street. Uh-huh. And it kinda just gave this whole kind of feeling
1: to the whole right uh, session. Which is better than interpretive dance really when you uh, think about it. Yeah, it, is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it definitely added a lot for us as players to see more exactly what it was that you're coming from when you're talking about like the flags, for example. That it gave us a more of a tangible feel to where they actually were.
3: Yeah, I absolutely. I would say as well on that is, even though like we were seeing, a single street of this city, when we were then going about the city, you get a very clear picture of okay, this is the architecture, this is the kind of different buildings you would see. You get an um, idea
0: for the atmosphere as well. Like, yeah, I what, absolutely. I wanted, I wanted it to play as a very kind of bustling and busy city, mm-hmm. and that vibe map had a lot of people in it and market stalls and stuff like that, and it just kind of gave this. It added a layer to the Uh roleplay from my side uh, that really helped. If I was being completely honest with myself, I'd still still say I prefer um, in-person D&D playing. Uh, I'm excited to get back to it. Because there is something a little bit missing from online. Whether that's when you're face-to-face with someone and you are RPing something, roleplaying something, you can tell when the ebbs and flows in conversations are coming. You can tell when someone's about to say something, and maybe you let it sit for a little second, uh-huh. and let the little role play come out. Maybe you'll see a little hand signal between two people, like "we can go get this. Right. Um something you just can't get online. No yeah. matter how, no matter how hard you try.
1: I suppose the body language <clears throat> is well as well is harder to pick up online yeah, too. A-
3: absolutely, I'd say the the biggest thing um, that I'm missing going from online cause I I kind of disagree with Alex. I, th- I feel a little bit um that online would be actually easier for DMing. Obviously, I've not I've not DMed in paper yet. Um, hopefully in the next little while I'll get a chance um, with our next campaign. But um, the biggest thing that I miss about paper is the exactly that the RP moments where if you are online you can't tell if someone's pausing for dramatic effect. Or if their mic stops working you know what I mean? <laughs> um, it's it's very much like a thing of like if you're having like a serious rp moment and you're taking like a moment because your character would have to take a moment online someone else can jump in and start saying something else where in person you very much get from their body language exactly like you were saying greg you know that they're about to keep on continuing speaking and you don't interrupt and you can let them have their moment and it's a lot harder to do it online
0: but one of everyone's kind of favourite moments in the campaign we've run just now is when you met a character called the Premier. Yep, absolutely. And I played this character as, like... He was a very high-up political person who was mm. meeting with the party, and he was livid with them, but hid it very well, and just slowly the layers kind of peeled back right. on how much he thought this party had screwed up. <laughs> right. Had screwed up his plans, had screwed up an investigation, had risked a whole country's security. And i don't think that works online no absolutely not it would not have been as good a reveal yeah online
3: because there was a lot of nuances with what you were saying you were taking pauses we were reacting back and forth and um kind of trying to guide like gauge each other's feelings at that time and it would have been a lot harder to do that online because i wouldn't have been able to see how you were acting
2: tell me that before i meet the character thanks (laughs) (laughs) well you're about to meet him next week well
3: maybe maybe uh, depending on what that cliffhanger was i
0: know it's one thing worth saying for online as well one of the advantages of online is once your character sheets online it makes rolling and maths as we've talked about a little bit easier if online you have to roll for persuasion you just hit the persuasion button on your character sheet and the game just rolls it for you and then if you roll an attack and it hits, you just hit. You just hit it, and it'll roll whatever you need to roll. If it's a spell, that can be something silly sometimes, like ten d six. So instead of rolling ten six sided dice and going, uh, one, I five. think <laughs> I think it's thirty one. Give <laughs> um, me like seconds. The, the game, the game just goes no, nah. no.
2: Nah, S- six
3: plus
0: two is nine, right? <laughs> <laughs>
3: happens. That's happens one thing so I'm terrified
2: person. about going on paper. Is my inability to add things up <laughs> and so we're like in the middle a really good combat about now nah, and nah, nah, hold on hold on one two three can you count this for me <laughs> it's like carry the one yeah it,
3: it definitely like reminds you that it's been a long time since any of us have done any maths like proper maths <laughs> like like high school me probably would have done okay with this nowadays
0: i am struggling to count to 10
3: i used to work
2: <laughs> in a bank and i struggled to count to <laughs> 10 <laughs>
0: So we've kind of talked the effect it has on DMs I don't, I would say I don't know if you guys would agree that it doesn't affect players as much playing online Um, Obviously the RP stuff's still there a little bit kind of thing, or still there and it's uh, difficult to read other players but mechanically the game still runs the same online for players Yeah absolutely, mechanically the game is
3: exactly the same, I'd argue that as you were saying with, because of the maths combat is so much quicker mm-hmm. it's very easy to know what your character can do because it's all there in front of you, while well, in paper you're sort of looking through the scraps of paper that you've written down. Like, I'm pretty sure my character got an ability like tenth level or like like ten levels ago. I can't remember what it is, but I know he, that he can do this thing in this situation. Where online your character sheet would say, "No, you you you're making that up." Yeah, so, like, <laughs> that, that ability you
2: really want doesn't exist. Yeah,
3: <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm pretty sure I get plus ten AC when I get hit
0: by. You're like, no,
2: no stop, you you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because I as the DM, will just check your character sheet and go no you don't <laughs> yeah well in paper cuz you're like your
3: notes are very much handwritten on pencil and you've had to like rub out your stats and fill them back in when you've leveled up so like your character sheet looks like a mess and there's just things written all over it and you don't know like what's true and like what <laughs> what was true for one session um yeah it's it's hard to keep track of things in paper but they on the online kind of benefits i don't think they outweigh the in paper like downsides and i much prefer in paper
0: it's like looking at how much gold you've got you've got i've got in paper you're like i've got somewhere between 13 and fourteen i'm not quite sure (laughs) you say that but our party's still like i
2: think we have 700 somewhere
3: (laughs) i every like five sessions count up how much money we have and i every time go oh, I didn't think that was right, but I guess it is because <laughs> I always write down how much money we take off, mm-hmm. but never from the total so like, I have to scroll through pages and go like, okay, we lost 5 gold there 10 gold there, 11 gold here, and I'm like, okay, right maths time, <laughs> and I break it down, I'm like, okay, we're actually broke <laughs>
2: we owe Alex money <laughs>
0: I'm like the banker in Monopoly <laughs> uh, except I don't cheat and <laughs> uh, Question. The question I was going to ask then. Each each of the people at the table here have both all had experience DMing and playing. Um, what do you prefer? Just just quickly, we'll go into a bit more. But like, what do you prefer?
2: I'm going to say playing. Okay. Um, just like you're saying, like DMing is a lot more work. Um, the with well, the campaign that I Dungeon Master, it's all new players that I've never played, like myself, in person. So it's a lot of I think expectation with them as well to have maps because it is a lot easier to get them online so it's a lot of work and it's a lot of thinking especially for me as a new like newer player it's a lot of thinking right i don't really know this class or subclass at all what can they actually do in this scenario how is that going to affect this are they going to take this route the or are they going to go back to the tavern and just get really drunk Which 9 out of 10 times they do. Um, (laughs) 10 out of 10 times. (laughs) Maybe 11 out of 10 times. They
0: might still have the fight, they will still go to the tavern and get drunk. I have learned that the hard way. Or the fight will take place in the tavern. You never know.
2: (laughs) Or they'll get drunk and then go to the fight. (laughs)
0: Yep, that did happen
3: in our game. (laughs) Everyone got drunk and then left to go fight the boss. (laughs) Uh, so if you're cell roles, DM and playing. What do you think? I'm going to take the coward's option. Um, I enjoy both of them equally uh, for di- for different reasons. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but I think as a player, I really enjoy seeing the DM's story unfold. I really like to experience, you know, the set pieces that they have prepared. As a DM, I really enjoy preparing those set pieces. Like it's kind of like the very much that like I I really like the the big moments of the of the campaigns it's as i said already that is my favorite thing about dungeons and dragons is these large moments where everything comes to a head as a player i love seeing that unfold like the dm telling us what's happened and are the consequences for our actions um the thing that all players forget exists (laughs) Um,
2: what do you mean i can't just stab someone in the street what
3: (laughs) that will come back and haunt you um but as a dm i love seeing my players come to realizations and go oh no we have messed up royally or oh i that's interesting you know that's a like my very first kind of quest that i kind of sent my party on for this it was a a hag had been taking children from this city during the night connor knows this he knows Uh where this is going um but what had actually been the case is hags there's lots of different types of hags for people who are new um you know they're kind of like your typical witch um You know, like from fairy tales. Uh, there's one that's called a dream, like a, a dream hag. I'm pretty sure. Or um, basically, she conveyed people's nightmares. But I had changed it so that this hag, she had just been walking through the town, and she had noticed that some children were having nightmares about their abusive family. Right. And so the hag, not kind of really understanding, like you know, people like social graces, was saving these children. Like she had been going to them in their dreams and asking for help, like asking if they wanted help, and the uh-huh. children had been saying yes, so she'd been taking them from their abusive families.
0: <laughs> That's an interesting take on helping. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, but
3: but the the hag was was going to take them to a different town and give them to a family who would take care of them eventually, right. but the party just automatically assumed that she was evil, which fair enough, you know, she's kidnapping children, and then marched up to our hut kill like tried to kill her before she could even get a word out. The children were begging them to stop. Um
2: <laughs> ignore the kids. Like <laughs> kids don't know what's going on. It's genuinely, <laughs> like they
3: were in tears begging them begging the party to stop and they were just kept they just kept on going.
2: All uh, I know is she summoned a massive spider to kill me. So she did. she was not getting she away. Did.
3: <laughs> um yeah. But that that encounter ended with one of the children getting hit by a a fire spell and uh, unfortunately passing. No oh dear. Because they <laughs> Because I made I, I, I made it very adamant and clear that one of the children was standing in front of the hag, try to block her like from the party to get into her, and I said, if you roll poorly, this could end really badly. And the player was like, okay, yeah, no, that's a problem, that's fine, I'll take the consequences. Roll a natural one, um, yeah. So I didn't see
1: any other way that that would play out. Set farthest with poorly lad yeah. yeah.
2: If there's one thing that you'll <clears> learn <throat> about being a player under Ross is that he likes to have um. Darker themes and yeah. likes. To think of ways to make your character's backstory that was like maybe a little bit dark, really dark. <laughs> yeah. And how we can make your like you as a player leave the campaign, and have a little cry over your poor character. To be fair, you asked me to do that, so <laughs> yeah, I'm not I mean- going to
3: apologise.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just like having goblins with high pitched voices. Um, <laughs> oh, drip, drip. Be yeah,
3: miss. I, I would say 50-50 split. I enjoy both of them equally for like this kind of the same reasons of like, I like the build up moments.
0: That's fair. I'd, I'd have to say DMing for me. There's a lot more intricacies in DMing. Um, I got to write this story um, that I thought was incredibly interesting with a lot of nuance and mystery in it that has been revealed, I would say quite well. <laughs> through, through dreams which I hadn't seen someone utilize before in a game, and um, through riddles, the riddle about the birds and stuff like that, the payoff on that I went really well. I think yeah,
3: that, the 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 riddle with the, the birds that was that took us a long time to figure out, um, mainly because due to the actions of one of our party members, a lot of it was skipped. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, the when we were trying to work out the dream that Quartz had, the um, you know this, you, you both know the specific one I'm talking about. When it was the,
0: I had that. So just to just to give context, I had a character have a dream. It was very bare bones because he'd had a couple of very trippy dreams, and they were purposefully uh, misleading. They were getting to a point where he couldn't guess anything. So I said, "I'm going to give you a very basic dream. It's still a bit out there, but there's literally three moving parts here." You go towards one bit, something happens. You go towards another bit, something else happens. You go towards this bit, something happens. Work out what each of those things means.
2: And it yeah. still took us a week of out-of-game <laughs> chatting backwards and forwards to figure this out. Oh, it,
3: it was two weeks because we had we had to miss this, that session, oh, yeah. remember? So it was two whole weeks <laughs> that we sat out of character trying to work this out. And we could tell that you had spent a lot of time working this out. So, like, I, as a DM... I can appreciate how long that took um, <laughs> yeah
1: so what you're going to say greg sorry i was going to say that it, it just illustrates how much harder it is how much more work it is yeah, I was for going,
0: the dm i was going to justify my opinion there by saying you have to know it's a lot more mentally taxing to be the dm um, i tend to run games by i have an overarching story and i sit down two hours before i start the game and i think i kind of Two hours is optimistic as well. It's usually an hour, right? And I and I get the kind of mechanical parts into roll twenty online. Um, I know some other people aren't like that. They maybe take time during the week, but that can really play kind of. It's a really difficult thing to keep in your head.
1: One of the another thing that came up in conversation with some earlier on, um taking your your knowledge as you know as Ross. You know the things that you know, but your character wouldn't necessarily know the things that you, know. you, you, your elf bard wouldn't necessarily know that this is what a this is what a silver dragon looks like, and this is its weakness, and this is what I'm likely to get yeah, for the payout. Absolutely,
3: absolutely. We actually had an encounter that very much played into this, I and mean, I would say, I think, I hope you would agree, Alex. I tried my best not to let oh, my own knowledge, like I, I, I think I, I deliberately made choices that my character would make. Yeah, I mean, that kind of put me at a detrimental position because there was a creature called an an Abolith, uh-huh. um, which is a large,
0: big, scary mermaid. Right, yeah, okay. it's like a large squid. Lots of tentacles. Yeah, but tentacles. tentacles. Yeah, lots right, okay. of
3: tentacles, lots of squid eyes. But if you get up close to it in, in melee range and it pulls you into the water, you get you get cursed and right. your skin turns translucent and uh-huh. you can no longer breathe air. I knew this as a player. Uh, and it is a DM because I've read I've read the well, that, manual. Well, that's the
1: thing is, a D, is DMs you, you have this knowledge. Yes. you know quite a bit more. Yeah, but
2: try not to put in as a as a character.
1: Yeah. So
3: as as a character, I didn't know that, so I ran straight for the thing <laughs> um, <laughs> and started hacking it away. And when I got cursed, Alex was like, "Okay, Ross, you know what happens next, don't you?" Know, I was like,
1: "Oh yeah." <laughs> <I did it. laughs> but you stayed in your character yeah, rather yeah, yeah. than
3: yeah. My, my character would have done things, that. Hacks with a sword you yeah, had no reason to believe this creature would re- react any differently to being hit with a sword. Most things react like the same way to getting hit with yeah. a sword. Yeah. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> right, they say, ouch, <laughs> and, then, and then slowly die. Um, but yeah, I—it it is definitely difficult as a player to separate the knowledge that you know as a DM. Because um, to kind of give like a little bit of things away, Um, for the next campaign that we're going to run, it's called Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Um, and it's a large crime investigation on the very front cover of the book there is a beholder uh, and the beholder is a pretty iconic monster of dungeons and dragons it's a large eye with tentacles coming off of smaller eyeballs on the tentacles you've
0: probably seen it just yeah. about the place if you've seen a DD book you've probably seen a beholder on it oh, yeah. yeah
3: it's on it's on the monster manual as well um but it is an iconic monster in dungeons and dragons but the reveal of that monster in that campaign is like kind of a big deal mm-hmm. like it's a character called xanathar and you get introduced to it, kind of the idea of it straight away you're told about their crime organization but you don't know that the, this creature is a beholder It's just on the front cover um but you as a player you know what that creature is uh-huh. so immediately you are terrified but as a player you would just think this is like a very weird L- creature like yeah. you you wouldn't okay. know its power
2: but as a player, you are terrified. I'm going to so, make sure my player reads a book on Beholders before the plays <laughs> uh, Write that into my backstory. So here's something to maybe go into.
0: Uh, so also we've talked about how I'm running, I think all three of us are running homebrew campaigns. or Yes. Yeah. Um, Mine's on hold at the moment. but If you're a person who's looking to be a new DM, um, looking to kind of DM for a group, there is the option to go down the pre-rent adventure route, which is what... Uh, what a deep dragon heist is, it's a book that Wizards of the Coast, the company that owns Dungeons & Dragons uh, releases, where it sort of does all the hard work for you and extra um, as a DM where it builds the world, you just have to read the book and understand what's going on bit by bit they tend to be quite segmented uh, into chapters um, that you can take your party through I would say if you were a newer DM I would highly suggest running maybe one of the easier ones like Mine of Fandelver, Lost Mine of Fandelver, which comes with the starter kit.
1: It's a cracking wee campaign.
0: And it's a cracking wee yeah. campaign like it's the wee book that comes with it's maybe only 50 pages long, uh-huh. a, little, a little thing. And you will run a 3 to 4 month campaign out of that little book and it'll show you what work you need to do as a DM uh, to have a simple campaign. Um it'll show you kind of how to world build a little bit. Uh practically because the Dungeon Master Guide does tell you how to world build but it maybe goes a bit too expansive
3: yeah it definitely like the the Dungeon Master Guide throws a lot of information at you very quickly because like I think the first page it says there are three uh, rules that all worlds in Dungeons and Dragons like believe there are gods there is magic and there is a cataclysmic event gonna happen like and it says if your world does not have this then it is a different type of campaign and you're like oh okay that's kind of like i need to have magic i need to have gods i need to have a cataclysmic event about to happen that's kind of a lot of pressure I put on someone who's just going to like i want to make a
2: village you know <laughs> like, <laughs> and gods are a pain yes gods there's, are a pain there's so many of them and they all have different little things they do yeah but
3: i'd say i agree with the lost minds of Fandelver. um i think as dms we've all kind of run modified versions of it yes um Alex, with yours, you know, ended slightly differently to the way yep. that the campaign ends. A very clever way. A very, <laughs> very, very clever way that painted the party in very negative light. Um,
0: Just, actually, you know what, uh, this will be a spoiler, if you're planning on playing Lost Mine of Phandelver, maybe skip 30 seconds ahead here, um, but I had to, so Lost Mine of Phandelver ends when you uh, save the Wave Echo Cave. Yeah, uh, um, save Gundren. Yeah, you save Gundren, you save the Wave the Echo Cave, and you're like, go set up shop, Gundren, well done. Job well done. And um, and to bring that into my world, I set up the part uh, the party as having just unintentionally a, uh, helped a terrorist, um, <laughs> yeah, and get arrested on the
1: spot. But the the, the thing is also about we talked about uh, uh, Fandelver and it's in a dungeon and there's a dragon. Oh yeah, no, there's yeah, a um, bit of everything, quintessential. Bit of everything, but the the thing is with the with the campaign books are they very wildly mm-hmm. um absolutely i know tomb of annihilations because I've, I've seen that one played through set in a jungle yeah set um, in the
3: jungles of uh
1: cholt i believe and then you've got a uh, salt marsh book which is yeah. obviously pirates and all that that's, sort of thing it's
3: not really a pre-written adventure that's more of a like a campaign like source a campaign book. source book. it does okay. give you some adventures um but it's in terms of like pre-written stuff it's kind of more on the ambiguous side. It okay. lets the DM come up with a lot of it, but okay. Okay. It's definitely, it, it definitely does give you some things to work on.
1: So as, and, and obviously you've got um, the new one, the Icewind Dale. I, Icewind
3: Dale, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's about like isolation in the cold and you're in the Arctic and whatever else is the sort of vibe on it. So as DMs, you're all DMing. Why would you buy one of these books if you're creating your own stuff? Are you are you getting inspiration from it? Are you, are you lifting stuff wholesale out of this? Oh, I, I like this creature. I like this ice giant. So, kind of, so I'm going to take this ice giant and use that here.
0: Yeah, so I'll kind of I'll kind of start. And um, the reason I would run a pre written adventure, which I'm going to be doing next time I DM, um, I'm going to be running Curse of Strad, is kind of what I said. I'll, a lot of the hard work when you're a DM is the world building. Um, and keeping consistent with your world building. Uh-huh. If you are reading from a source book, it is consistent, it has rules, and it has locations set up for you. So it does the hard work for you, and it does a little bit extra, because they've spent a lot of time on these books. So there'll be, I don't know, five or six um, maybe quest lines per place you can go, and they'll be described in intricate detail uh-huh. in that book. And it's just about, as a DM, it takes a little bit of that mental stress off, um, about what how big the world you have to create is
2: I think on the flip side of that though as well is that you need to know these sort of source books inside and out as well whereas when it is your home homebrew world, if you don't know the answer to something you can just make <laughs> that up <laughs> as long as it's consistent in your head and you're good at making things up on the fly you can make that up and justify that in your prep for next week and build that into the world if your players go somewhere that you just really didn't expect them to go
3: also kind of on that with homebrew you can spend a lot of time coming up with cool and interesting you know social dynamics and towns that your party will never ever ever see (laughs) um for instance i kind of i spent about two weeks kind of writing up connor's character's hometown and we are about to leave after one session Um, (laughs) and i had made multiple interesting npcs locations different kind of quest lines that they can follow did the party care no, they just did the main quest and left.
2: <laughs> but I'm never going to get to go to that winery. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, there was a winery,
3: there was a couple of tombs, there was a large cathedral. The party did not care. <laughs> so, but So pre-written kind of does all that for you, but saves you the time.
0: Yeah. So as a final thought before we finish off the podcast, um, I'd want to ask you, if you were talking to a player who's looking to get in to Dungeons & Dragons, okay, and, um, what would you tell them in 10 words or less is the best th- reason for them to do so?
3: Um, if you like storytelling, if you like having fun with your mates, and you like RPGs, you should try Dungeons and Dragons.
0: It's kind of daunting. considerably more than 10 words.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was like 12. Your message spell's not sending, all right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine. If I was to do it myself as well, I would say that it's you'll enjoy the social aspect more than you expect in making new friends. That's what you would enjoy in a campaign. Yourself, Connor, before we go.
2: Ten words. If you want to play a game, have a bit of fun and get a little bit weird, then Dungeons and Dragons is the place for you to do it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not wrong. No, it's been it's been fantastic talking to you, everyone. Uh, that's the Castle Comics Dungeons and Dragons podcast. It's goodbye from me, funny, formerly handsome Alex. <laughs> uh, goodbye from Ross. Yeah. yeah. Goodbye from Greg. Goodbye. Goodbye from Connor. Goodbye. Goodbye from Sound Guy Greg.
1: Uh, Sound Guy Gar. Sound Guy Gar- <laughs> <laughs> <Soundguy> Gar- <laughs> oh, oh, I've done oh. it. His mic Sorry, <laughs> I'll edit that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Once again, if you're looking for any Dungeons and Dragons miniatures, source books, or adventure books, either come to Castle Comics at Common Old Town Centre or Castle Comics much.
1: Have a good night, guys. Cheers.